<laughs> yes. Yes, okay. So I'm going to hang out over in here with the middle school boys for a second. Middle school, high school guys right over here. Um, Y'all are going to help me, okay? You're going to help me today. You ready? All right, this is Cooper. In case you don't know Cooper, Cooper's been around for a little while. Cooper's like, please stop talking about me right now. Cooper, what is the definition of focus? Oh, tough one. Hey, you can ask Siri, sure. I don't think you're going to have service, but you can ask Siri. All right, what is the definition of focus? I would put my mic against it, but that's <laughs> the center of interest or activity. Okay, now let's go over to the girls, okay? All right, what's up? Evelyn, hi, good morning, welcome. All right, so what is the center of interest or activity in your life right now? What's your focus? Right now, as a 16, 17, 16 year old teenage girl. It's a hard question, I know, I know. Do you want to answer or do you want me to move on? She wants to answer. Okay, go ahead. Oh, let's go, let's go. Her, in case you didn't hear her, she said, I'm just growing her relationship in Christ and focusing in more on everything that she does. So round of applause for Evelyn, everybody. Oh, look, hey, sorry, not to embarrass you. Okay, so we are going to talk about focus over the next four weeks. And Mr. Cooper gave us a great definition from Siri right there that Google actually gave me that same definition. So um, over the next four weeks, we're going to dive into my notes um, that I taught uh, a couple weeks back at TRO to some other churches. I talked to five churches, and five churches, um, what we saw was this. We saw students come to know Christ. We saw students um, give um, their lives to focus back in on him, and we saw students who were completely wrecked out of this. And my prayer is the same exact thing will happen to you guys through this, okay? Because it's nothing that I did, but I'm praying that God gets a hold of your heart. And so here's the thing. You've got roughly, I don't know, three weeks until you go back to school, somewhere around that number, okay? Everybody, that's an all moment, okay? Some of you guys, you miss school right now. That's okay, okay? Um, but over the next three to four weeks, my goal for each of you guys is that you will truly walk away focused in on your relationship, like Evelyn said, with Jesus Christ, okay? So over the past few weeks, um, here's something special has been happening here. Okay, um, you guys don't know that, but we've had lots of newer people showing up on Sunday mornings. If you look around right now, you wouldn't be able to tell because, well, a lot of people are on vacation and stuff right now. And, and honestly, we're going to blow up here in a couple of weeks. You'll see it. Um, everybody comes back into Wilson. Everybody starts to get ready for school. And um, we all kind of, you know, get our mindset shifted back to the school year. And, and that's when Peace Student starts getting big and everything again. But over the last few weeks, I've discovered that, that we've got more and more people who don't necessarily know who we are. So I can walk around and, like, point to most of you guys that, um, hey, just welcome, you know what I'm saying? Like, newer people, and, and, and it's really cool to see this. And so um, I was thinking about this, and um, whenever I speak at camp, I always try to introduce myself. I try to introduce my family and things like that. So in case we haven't met yet, Landon, we haven't met yet, my name's Mike, and um, I'm the student pastor here at Peace. I've been here for almost three years now and having an absolute blast with you guys watching this ministry grow and watching you guys grow. Um, the amazing thing is, like, I look back at this row right here. Um, these are now our seniors. That's you and you and you. Yep, right there. And I've got this. Oh, oh, there's one more back there. I can see her. 
She's hiding, okay? They're, they're now our senior. You're not a senior yet, Izzy. I'm sorry. I messed up. But these three are seniors, and it's absolutely amazing to watch you guys grow up and just see things happen um, as you're maturing in your walk. And I'm excited just to spend more time with you. And so my family, my story coming to Christ is a little bit different than probably yours. Um, as a kid, I was sent to VBS. How many of you guys have ever been to VBS? How many of you guys wish there was a teenage VBS? Anybody? Some, some, some people are not, and you're like, ah, no, no, no. So I love sports and arts camp. We're doing that tonight. It's one of my favorite things we'll do this year. But as a kid, I got sent to VBS. Um, the best part of VBS was what? Tell the person to your left or to your right. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. The word that I just heard from most of you guys was snacks, okay? Um, so for me, VBS was, um, I was painfully shy, um, like I didn't want anybody to know I existed. I didn't want um, to talk to people, especially people older than me or anything like that. And so um, when my parents forced me to get on the church bus to go to VBS, I was not happy to be there, right? Um, they fed us dinner every night at VBS, right? And um, they had decent dinner. I mean, I, I can remember our first night we had spaghetti, all right? Any spaghetti fans in here? Like, I like a good plate of spaghetti, okay? That's just me. As I've gotten older, I appreciate a good plate of spaghetti. I don't like bad spaghetti, right? Um, and I can remember playing kickball, all right? Any kickball fans in the room? Cool, cool, cool. Me too. I like playing kickball. It's a, it's a good time, right? So I remember doing that at VBS. And then I remember at the very end of that night, we came back together, and the preacher man got up. And now this preacher, he was, he was a large guy, right? And he had a booming voice. And this preacher was just yelling about something called hell. I had no clue what he was talking about, but he said this. He said, at the end of your life... When you die, you're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. And hell's like seven times hotter than a volcano. So as a second grader, do you think I was smart enough to know that I didn't want to go there? I was. I was smart enough, okay? I, I, I know that that might surprise some of you guys. But I can remember that. And, and I remember um, that happening. And then I remember this youth pastor coming into my life a little bit later, right? Like as I got into sixth grade, I, I kept going to church. My parents kept sending me to church. And I never understood why. I never got this whole relationship with Jesus thing that the preachers would talk about, the teachers would talk about, and things like that. It never made sense to me until this guy named Travis came into my life. And Travis was different, right? Travis was one of those guys who was just highly relational. He was one of those guys who would just truly pick up and want to know how things are going in your life. And one day I asked Travis, I said, hey, man, why are you the way you are? Have you ever asked that question to anybody in your life? Why are you the way you are? It's a really good question. And, like, if you really want to get to know somebody, I highly recommend asking that question. Travis looked at me and he said, dude, I'm just trying to point people to Jesus. I'm trying to love them how he loves me, how I think he loves me. That was something that completely changed the way that I understood the Bible. And he said, hey, you know, if I want to be like him, then I need to read the Bible. I need to spend time with him. And now sometimes, here's the deal. Church tells you you need to pray and you need to read the Bible, right? Like, that's what the people at church always stand up here and tell you. Why do you think that is? Johnny, why do I tell you that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can stay connected to God so you can understand what he wants for you. Because here's the deal. I know this. Johnny knows this. Um, you guys are getting to know this right now. Like, like, like as you go through your day, if you've actually read Scripture, here's the thing. And Johnny and I, um, we meet um, as a D group. We also meet one-on-one. -on -one. We've had Bojangles this week, right? Um, we had a little fun. And, and what we've discovered is this, is that sometimes what we do is we read in the morning, 
right? We read our Bible, and then throughout the day, something will come up that will directly pertain back to what we read, where God's speaking to us from something we read earlier. And if we didn't spend that time with God, guess what? It's just going to go right over our heads. And so I can remember Travis telling me that as a kid, and, and, and you know, like, let's be honest. As a middle school boy or even as a high school boy, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to get up and read your Bible, right? It's not necessarily the easiest thing for, for, for these types of things to happen. But I can remember I started to get serious about this, and I started to really want to know who God was. And, and Travis invited me to go on a mission trip with him when I was in um, ninth grade. And so I go on this mission trip, and, and we're working down in Florida, and it's the hottest part of the year, right? And we're working on a roof. And if you've ever done roofing, um, my shoes were melting. That's how hot it was, right? But I knew, like, this was something amazing. I knew this was something that, that God had called me into, and I knew God was calling me into ministry. And I said, God, if that's where you want me, then, then I'll gladly go. And I remember coming home, and I can remember the first thing that happened when I got home, something crazy happened. You see, my life at home wasn't perfect, and, and, and my, my parents had decided well, they didn't decide, but the state of North Carolina decided that my parents were no longer fit to be parents. And so they took me away from that home and put me into a group home. All right? And so my sister and I, we were taken out of this home, and, and, and now we were living in this group home, and, and that was no fun, right? And I can remember sitting there, I can remember thinking to myself, like, why am I here? God, I want to follow you. God, I want to do these things. But God, it does not make sense why you would allow this to happen to me. Like, I'm trying to follow you. Have you ever been in that place in your life? Like, you're trying to follow God. You're trying to do what he tells you to do. But you're in a place where, like, seriously, like, life storms just, they don't make sense. They hurt. Well, that's where I was. And I can remember being so frustrated living there for over two months that one night I went out and I sat on this porch swing. And I remember saying, God, I'm not leaving the swing until you meet with me right here. Now, who has a Bible in here? Anybody got a, a physical Bible? Oh, yeah. Let me see. Let me see. I'm going to come over here. Oh, uh, let me see. Jenna, can I have yours just for a second? Thank you, Jenna. This is a beautiful white uh, KJV. Wow. This is something I probably would have read when I was your age and had no idea what I was reading. Um, but this was beautiful. I can remember um, being on that porch swing and opening it up. And, and, and you guys know that method of how am I going to read the Bible? Flip, flip, flip. Right here and start reading? Well, I did that method. That's not a very good method to do. But listen, if you're getting into the Word, at least you're getting into the Word somehow. I highly recommend as your pastor to start in the book of John. Okay, it's going to be a lot better for you to do it that way and to start reading consistently that way. But as a kid who didn't understand how to read Scripture, I opened it up. I actually landed in Genesis chapter 39. Jenna, can I toss this to you? Is that okay? You got it? You ready? Here it comes. Perfect. Good catch. All right. Awesome. All right. So Genesis 39. And I read it all the, three, all the way through Genesis chapter 50, okay? In Genesis 39, we're introduced to this guy named Joseph. Joseph has a coat of many colors. Joseph thinks he's better than he really is. He tells his brothers, one day you're going to bow down to me. One day you're going to worship me. And they're like, dude, what's wrong with you? You're like the second to youngest brother out of 12. This does not make any sense at all for them, okay? So they beat Joseph up. They sell him into slavery. Some crazy stuff happens. They tell their dad that he's dead. They dip his... Um, coat of many colors into some blood, and he sold to these guys who then give him over to this guy named Potiphar, right? And this guy named Potiphar, he, he puts Joseph in charge of like everything in his house. Everything's going great until one day Potiphar's wife looks at Joseph and says, hey, you look really good. Maybe we should um, hang out, right? Well, Joseph says, hey, I don't think we should be hanging out the way you want to hang out, and he runs away from her. 
And then she lies about Joseph, and he gets thrown in jail. So Joseph's life, man, I mean, like, realistically, like, this dude didn't do anything wrong. His life is going really hard. He's like, God, I'm trying to follow you here, but, like, I just don't understand what's happening. And then one day, here's what happens. Joseph, um, he interprets some dreams for these guys that are in the jail, and they actually come true, and he tells the guys, don't forget about me. Well, of course, you know, like, when somebody tells you don't forget about them, what do you do? You automatically forget about them, right? It happens two years later, Pharaoh has this dream, and nobody can answer this dream. And so um, the guy remembers, hey, there's this guy in jail who once told me about this dream that I had. Maybe um, you should bring him up here and see. So Pharaoh does that, and Joseph gives him his dream, and he says, hey, I can't answer it, but God can. And God gives us all the answers. And so he answers that right away. And I'm reading this, and I'm sitting on the swing, and I'm like, where's this thing going? Because let's be honest, I never paid attention in Sunday school when the teachers were talking about this, right? When they had the little boards and stuff, the felt boards, that's how old I am. They had felt boards. Um, they would put them up on the thing. I, I'd never paid attention. And so I'm reading this as, as a teenager, as I'm sitting on the swing for the first time, it's like the words are jumping off the page to me, and I'm waiting for God to just give me something. And then I get to the point where, where Joseph sees his brothers again, this is his chance for revenge. This is his chance for them to get what was coming to them. And Joseph says this in Genesis chapter number 50, verse number 19, it says this. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And I can remember sitting on that swing at that moment. I read that verse over and over and over again. And I prayed something after that, and I prayed something like this. I said, God, I don't like where I am, but I know you have a plan for me. And I know I want to surrender to that. I know I want to do something. And so you see, when I lived in that group home for those few months that we were there, I discovered something after reading this passage of Scripture that, that, that this is the reason why I share this whole story is simply this. My focus had been on me and nothing other than my circumstances, okay? As a teenager, it's really easy for us to focus in on what's happening directly to us. It's so easy for us to focus in on only about me. But something special changed when I sat on that swing and I said, God, I will do whatever it is you want me to do. God, I will focus in on what you want me to do. When I shifted my focus, it helped me understand that God had a plan for me. And over this series, as we talk through this terminology, focus, that's what I want to do for you guys. I want to help you see that God's got a plan for every single one of your lives. That God's going to do something special if you will allow him with your life. If you'll chase after what he's got. So, focus is our theme, right? Focus is where we're going to dive in. Cooper, one more time. What does focus mean? Sensor of attention. That's good enough. I'll take it, right? Like that, it'll get you a B minus in school, right? All right, so focus. We're going to find out what is your center of attention right now. What is the thing that you're practicing the most? What is the one thing that you want to be in? And our theme verse is going to be Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, okay? That's where we're going to be. So let me read it to you, and let's dive into this, okay? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who the joy, um, 
that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So, we're going to break this down a lot over the next few weeks. But as we get ready to do this thing, as we get ready to truly dive into this, we have to see something right out of the gate, okay? So, so I, I did a camp several years, probably about 10 years ago, with some first through fifth graders, and I told them, hey, one of the best things you can do is memorize this scripture. One of the best things you can do is, is to truly dive into what this means, because as we break down this verse, here's what's going to happen, is that you guys are going to see that over and over in life, this verse means something different to you each time. This verse is going to take you to a different place each time. Because every single one of us, if you were with us at camp, you understand that you had some kind of sin that you were holding on to so tightly, some kind of thing that was taking your focus off of God that you have hopefully given up, that you're still giving up right now as we are back from camp. For you guys who weren't with us yet, the question we asked over and over throughout the week is, what is that one thing in your life that's holding you back from having a true relationship with God, Because as we dive into this, what we see is simply this. Our sin, it entangles us. It keeps us. It keeps us longer than we want to be. And we're going we're to dive into that a little bit later, right? And we see that our, our, our faith is actually a race, right? And, and as we start to notice this, like, like if your faith race is a marathon, if you approach it that way, you're going to run it different than if it was a sprint. How many of you guys have done swimming in here? Any swimmers in the room? Cool. How many of you guys have ran track in the room? Any track runners in the room? Cool, 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 cool. So you actually prepare differently for a race. If I told you you were going to go out and you were going to run a mile, are you going to run at the same pace you would run 100 meters? No. No chance, right? Oftentimes when it comes to our faith, that's what we do. We approach it as if we are going to run a 100-meter dash. That right here we're going to go as fast as we can, and then we're just going to fall off. No, your Christian faith is a race that's going to last your entire lifetime. You're going to keep picking up things along the way. You're going to keep learning as you go. So take it at a stride that you can actually do. Now let's jump into this thing. Hebrews chapter 12, the very first word that we see up on the screen is what? Talk to me, come on. First word you see on the screen is? Therefore. So if you ever see the word therefore in the Bible... Okay, I learned this in seminary. You have to figure out what it's there for. Okay, look at it. That's going to click for some of you guys, okay? It's going to click, all right? Perfect. Figure out why it's there. The reason that this one is there is because therefore simply points back to something that has just happened. In chapter number 11, if you have a Bible, does anybody know what Hebrews 11 is known as? Hall of Faith, okay? So what is the Hall of Faith? Anybody know? Well, it's simply a list of some huge faith tasks that have happened, right? And here's some of it. Let me read a little bit of it to you. It says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conventions of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their com commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what has been seen or what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is the huge part. This is the part where it's really considered the hall of faith. I'm just going to give you a few of these guys' names. By faith, Abel offered God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death 
and he was not found because God had taken him. Verse number six says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Verse seven, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events that had yet not been seen, in reverent fear, he constructed an ark, saving his household. Verse number eight, by faith, Abraham, it keeps going over and over and over and over again. He keeps saying, by faith. By faith, something happened. By faith, this happened. By faith, this happened. Now, let me ask you a question. If you could be in this chapter, Levi, by faith, Levi did this. Would you want your name in here? No? He says no. He says no. All right, let's move over to somebody else. All right, Daniel Holloman in the back. Would you want your name in here? By faith, Daniel, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Would you want your name in there? All right, let's go with somebody a little bit more mature. Love you, Daniel. Sorry. Let's move over to Frank. Okay, he's two seats to the left of you, okay? Frank, would you want your name in Hebrews chapter 11? Absolutely, right? Right? As we look around the room, David, would you want your name in here? Absolutely. Right? As we, as we look at this, we want our name to be in here. And if you don't, then you're not quite wise enough to understand yet that this is a journey, and this means that they did something super important for God. It means that they took God at his word and they did something that was not within their human power to do, but something that God did through them. Now, here's what I I want you to see, okay? Because sometimes, oftentimes in the church, what we do is we do a good job of building up the people of the Bible. When you go back and you look at the list of the people that are in here, guess what you see about these men who are listed? Anybody? Anybody? You don't know yet because I haven't told you, okay? You see that they're men. You see that they actually had moments in their lives where they failed miserably. They had moments in their life where they weren't great leaders. They weren't even good at following God. But for some strange reason, the Holy Spirit, when he prompted whoever it is that wrote Hebrews decided that their faith was Hall of Fame worthy for whatever it is that God did through them. And here's the reason I share that, okay? Sometimes in life, our faith is on a mountaintop. Sometimes in life, we are on a mountaintop of faith. Sometimes we are way up here and we feel like we could do anything for God. We feel like we could take a water gun and we could shoot down the gates of hell and spray it down, right? There's other times in our lives where we've allowed sin to come into our lives And we're not living out the kind of faith that God calls us to. But notice that God didn't hold these guys in low esteem because of the bad stuff they had done. Notice that he still included them in Hebrews chapter number 11 because of their faith in him. Once again, if your life is a race and you're trying to win it, Do you want to have some weights holding you back? Do you want to have some some stuff like this guy right here pulling you back? Think about it just for a second. Who are my track runners? I think I saw Ava Dunn's hand earlier, right? Yeah, Ava. Can you imagine just for a second trying to pull that sled behind you when you're running? Do you think you're going to win your race if that's going to happen? She says no. She doesn't want me to talk to her too much, okay? Think about it just for a second. Why is it that We're okay with pulling sin behind us in our faith journey. 
But if we were actually running track, we definitely wouldn't want anything that would hold us back, right? Why is it that, that, that we're okay, like, like, like we're okay with the sin in our life, that, that, you know, it makes me feel a little bit better about myself. But that's not what God calls us to. God calls us to run this race completely free. He calls us to run this race undistracted, right? So a distraction, okay? Let's talk about a distraction just for a second, okay? What's a distraction? A distraction is something that shifts our focus from something greater to something that is less important, okay? Let's think about it just for a second. I'm 34 years old. I'm going to be 35 this year. I can easily say this, and I, and I think even some of the oldest people in the room can definitely point to you guys and say this is true, okay? There's never been a generation that's more distracted than your generation, Okay, there are so many things to distract you right now, all right? What do you guys think some of those distractions are? Shout them out. Cell phones, absolutely. What else? Social media, yes. What else? Xbox, yes. What else? Give me about two more. Sports, yeah, that's one. What else? Let me just say it for the guys over here, okay? Girls, okay? Let me say it for the girls over here. Guys, okay? Maybe not those guys, but like guys, okay? So, so there's a lot of distractions, right? And, and so um, that, that, that's the question is what are some of the distractions? And this is what we said. <coughs> we said relationships, friendships, cell phones, social media, popularity, sports, gaming, anything like that. Anything that would take our attention away from God, okay? We'd all agree if we look at this list behind me right now, none of these things are necessarily bad things, right? Like these things are meant to make your life a little bit better. But oftentimes, here's what happens, is we let these things become a God thing, okay? And what's a God thing, okay? So so let's kind of jump into this just for a second, okay? Anytime you make something that is a good thing into a God thing, it becomes an idol, which is a super distraction to your faith. Now think about your life right now. <coughs> what is that one good thing, maybe it was on the list before this, that has gotten into your life, that has become a huge distraction for you, that has actually become almost a God-level type thing that you can't deal without having it anymore. And for most of you guys, for you guys, it's this, right? For some of you guys, it's like, like there's stuff in here. Maybe it's the people in here. Maybe it's the games on this. Maybe it's the social media. Whatever it is, it's that one thing that you just can't deal without it. You see, you're not the first generation to deal with this, though. You're not the first generation to deal with distractions. And today, what I want to do is I, I want to give you a passage of Scripture that's going to show you just that, Okay? Matthew chapter 19, if you have a Bible, okay? Matthew chapter 19, I, I, you know, I figure if we're going to talk about this, we should probably look to Jesus. Here's an exact conversation that he had with a man. Check this out. It says this. Actually, let me not read. Somebody else read. Who wants to be a reader today? Anybody want to stand up and be a loud person to read? Hey, Matthew, thanks for reading. Go ahead, bud. That's good stuff. That's really good stuff. So I'm going to embarrass Kate now, okay? Kate, give us a quick summarization of the whole thing. (laughs) 
She said, I don't know. It's all, you got Madison with you. Madison, you guys talk, talk it through, okay? This is tough, I know. I'll, I'll kick it off for you. Jesus is talking, and this young guy comes up to him, and he says this question. What question does he say? This is where you answer. That's right. He says, hey, teacher, how do I get eternal life? And what does Jesus tell him, Kate? <laughs> That's right. He says, through God. Actually, he says this. He says, uh, follow the commandments, right? And he's like, hey, what commandments? You know, like, like he said, I've followed all the commandments since I was a kid, right? And, and so when Jesus looks at him, he says, hey, follow all these commandments. And so this guy, he, he looks at himself and he starts thinking this, okay? Because let's be honest for a second. If there was a secret way to get into heaven, if there was a checklist of the things you have to do to get into heaven, would you want to know it? Yeah, I would. Absolutely. Right? I, I absolutely would. Right? And I like to consider myself a decently smart guy. Right? And so I think everybody in this room would want to know, what does it take? What's the minimum list of what it takes for me to get into heaven? So that's what this guy asked. Right? Remember, we're talking about distractions. We're talking about what is it that, that distracts us from taking our eyes off of heavenly things um, and, and puts our eyes here on earthly things, right? So this guy, he, he says, hey, listen, I followed all the laws, right? This guy, he checks all the boxes, right? Ten commandments, got it. Don't eat bacon. That was a tough one, but yep, I did it. Don't cook a baby cow in its mother's milk. Did you guys know that's a, that's a commandment? He says, yeah, it's a weird commandment, but I did it, okay? Give away all my money. Whoa, 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 Jesus. Wait a second, wait a second. C come on. Jesus, really, really? There has to be another way. Right? For, for this guy, his distraction was his possessions. For this guy, he was, he was young, he was rich, he had done everything that he thought it would take to get to heaven. And Jesus gave him one more thing. Jesus just said, hey, just, just sell everything you've got. Give it to the poor and follow me. And it says this guy, he goes away sad. It says that he leaves, that he's just brokenhearted. Why is he brokenhearted? Because, well, he had a lot of things. Because he had got a lot of temporary pleasures right here in earth that he had saved up. The things that there's nothing wrong with these things. But these distractions, these things right here that this guy had in his hands, he couldn't let go of. This was a chance to be with the God of this universe, God in flesh. And this guy said, no. This guy said, no, 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 no. I've done everything else. But I can't give up this. So my question to you guys today is simply this. What is the this that you can't give up right now? What is the, the, the weight that is slowing you down? Because the truth is, is that every single one of us has distractions in our lives. Every single one of us has something that, 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 that we don't want to let go of. But here's the deal. We said our faith is a race, right? And if our faith is truly a race, then we have to decide if we're going to be in the race that God is calling us to be in. 
So what race are you racing? Are you racing the race where you can get everything that you want right here in this life? Are you racing the race that your eyes are set on the heavenly prize? What race are you racing? As I said, what's the weight that's slowing you down? What's that one thing, that temporary thing that's got a hold of your heart, that's got a hold that you've got to have every single day? And you put that in front of God. How can you get rid of that? How can you take that to the next level and say, God, this is yours. I don't want it anymore. So simply this. When we look at Scripture, the man goes away sad because he had many possessions. Like any athlete, if we want to dedicate to win, if we want to win this race, we've got to be willing to toss the stuff aside that we don't need anymore. We've got to be willing to to get rid of the stuff that's hindering us from running this race well. So for you guys, my simple question today to finish this thing off is, what is slowing you down? What is the possession, what is the thing, the distraction that's distracting you more than anything? When you know what it is, give it to Jesus. Give it to God and truly walk away in freedom. Get rid of it. Throw it off. That's what Hebrews 12, 1 tells us. Let us toss off everything that is holding us back and let us run this race with endurance that God has set before us. So guys, what is this temporary thing you're holding on to? Find your life group leader, talk to them about it. Come talk to me. I'd love to talk more about this if you've figured out what it is that is holding you back and you need help with it. Okay, let me pray over you and we'll get out of here.